Hi, I'm Daniel Scheffler, and this is Everywhere. I've spent the majority of my life circling the globe. I have fed stray dogs in Cairo for a day, been tattooed in the back of a jewelry store in Istanbul, and I've joined a chef to seek out new sources of protein in the Amazon. So I want to tell you how I travel and how you can travel. I don't like lists or must-dos. I don't care about aspirational luxury nonsense. In fact, while we're at it, let's throw out that word luxury altogether. You are being conned. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or not, alone or with your personal people, you can have an amazing adventure anywhere. All you need is an open mind. Don't think about what I'm telling you. Just feel it. It's not head knowledge. It's all heart knowledge. Come with me and I'll show you everywhere. Every week you will hear me mention my travel commandments. As much as commandments sound religious, in this context, they absolutely are not. However, they slightly tie to a little bit of ethics and a little bit of that thing we could call moral imperative, if you will. So take these with a pinch of salt and throw them over your suitcase or whatever. What they really are is just a sort of guideline that hopefully will enrich your travel life as it has mine. You'll also notice that my commandments are not in the negative, but rather in the positive. Thou shalt. So go forth and shalt away and see what happens. This week, perhaps, thou shalt be generous. Why do we talk about generosity? Isn't being generous something you quietly practice in the world? But alas, humans are more complicated than that. Perhaps in every performance of generosity, there's a little selfish and self-serving nodule, and we're just too uneasy to admit it. Don't see me, but see me, as I bestow you with my humble generosity. In our very humanity, we tend to be ingredients of both self-serving and generous. So stay with me here. My philosophy is that sometimes talking about benevolence that happens whilst on the road does absolutely inspire others to offer up a little extra of whatever it may be, kindness or dollars. So it's with this sentiment that I share some of the big-heartedness that I've experienced. For instance, in Laos, there's a tradition called alms or almsgiving, which involves giving to others as an act of virtue. It's either material or it's in the sense of providing capabilities like free education. Laos is the unexplored sister of the triad, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Laos. She holds these deep secrets and traditions that whisper only to her visitors. When you walk the dusty streets of a sweet town like Lang Prabang, which is a UNESCO heritage site, you might hear locals talking quietly about the Lao New Year. Dubbed Songkran, this yearly festival in April marks the start of the monsoon season and compared to any of the neighboring countries, maintains this authentic tradition. Subtle festivities rise there with the sun. And in Lang Prabang, you wake up early in the morning with the gentle sound of a gong 
5 a.m., the sun hasn't risen, and you sort of scatter out onto the side of the street and have a seat just on the sidewalk. And there you sit with a little bowl filled with rice. And as the sun starts to come up, this incredible thing happens where hundreds and hundreds of monks start to walk, all dressed in saffron robes, all over the town. As these monks pass me in total silence, I offer each a handful of rice. With my other hand, I touch my heart. Each shaved-headed monk with swelled robes carrying their own golden bowl stops for his libation. And in the eyes of the monk, I see myself. We become these mirrors of each other, showing each other our humanity, our kindness, and our generosity. I believe you can only see in others what you have in yourself. So when you see hatred or anger or maybe even joy, it's because you recognize it within yourself. Here the monk and I mirror our most special essence, generosity. I offer simple rice and he offers me this wisdom and this moment to see myself clearly. It's here in Lao, a country untainted and filled with nature where these quiet commemorations are on offer to you every day. A slow pace of understated life murmurs and keeps you in the present time, exactly where you belong. Let's take a break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back with more travel from everywhere. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Trade tables up. You're returning to everywhere land. And acts of generosity aren't always where you expect them. For instance, in Egypt, the main attraction is probably the pyramids. But I was here for the new Cairo Museum's soft opening hard hat tour. I rocked up at the museum, but my fancy tour was cancelled. 
I didn't worry too much because I'd seen the pyramids and Cairo has over 20 million people, so surely there was an adventure to be had. I was strolling around and found the city's famed citadel that looks across this ancient metropolis and I saw this pack of stray puppies. I decided to go to a vendor. I knew they served chicken as they had these badly photoshopped food items on massive posters outside the door. I peeked my head in. English? Francaise? English would do. And I said to the man who works there, Good sir, if I give you a hundred dollars, how much food would that be? The gentleman's eyes enlarged and he chatted to his kitchen crew and came back to me. A lot, he said. I said, great. About 45 minutes later, I was standing next to this towering mosque holding boxes and boxes of food. No, I wasn't that hungry. This was for my pack of stray dogs. It was hard for me to open all these styrofoam and cardboard boxes fast enough as the puppies descended on me. A few dozen of them stormed this feast. And then there was a group of students that were studying under the trees and they came to assist. And the dogs were like playing and mistaking our fingers for chicken breasts. And suddenly the students and I had this thing in common. We had broken through awkwardness and cultural difference and suddenly I had stopped being the other. And so had they. We exchanged names and we played with the puppies and eventually we were pup feeders and friends. So all these beautiful stories came out of this experience and I was just feeding these crazy dogs. And I have a photo of one of the dogs. She had eight puppies. They'd all eaten and the puppies were now playing. And she ran up to me and she stepped with one paw onto my knee and looked at me in a moment of absolute gratitude, her eyes letting me in behind hers and time stood still. And we stayed in this trance for a long time, just being to being, fully connected. And she got off my knee and went on with her day and took her puppies. And this is the same look I have with Ella, my dog, who's in studio with me and having a little snore as we speak. She looks at me behind my eyes. She sees what I wish I could see in myself. And I look at her beyond into being and matter and atom. When you ask me what's the best thing I did in Egypt, it was feeding the stray dogs, not going to the pyramids. So of course all I wanted was to either take all these dogs home with me or come and feed them every day. But luckily a security guard came over to tell me that the taxi drivers shared their sandwiches with these dogs. See? Kindness begets kindness. Anyway, soon enough, these new friends of mine invited me to their nonna's house. I heard the word nonna and was confused. You're Italian Egyptians? Who knew? So now we're at dinner with my new friends in their home, and I discovered that their grandpa runs the original Parker Pen franchise in Cairo, and in his spare time still works for Egypt Air as a sort of happy maker. If only all airlines could employ such a person. So I visited him the next day in a dusty old store in downtown Cairo. 
and he showed me this incredible collection of Parker pens that he's amassed over decades. He's taken over this little shop of curiosity from his father and now sells stationery. One of the pens had Marilyn Monroe's signature on it, and another was actual solid gold. So of course, he and I became fast friends and swapped travel stories. He would tell me about London, which was his big destination when he worked for Egypt Air, and how he had no money and had to go and find a place to stay. On almost zero budget, he would hunt out other Egyptians around Victoria Station and find a bed and home-cooked food for five British pounds. This made me think about travel, that it wasn't just about me. Well, this is how I felt when I noticed this sour couple fighting with everyone at the boarding gate in Palm Springs for a 6 a.m. flight recently. First off, they were yelling at the gate agent. We get on the plane. In the overhead space, they took out other people's bags and threw them on the floor. They fought with their seatmates. They fought with everyone. And then they decide, before we'd even taken off, bing, we'd like to have drinks now. Never mind that the flight attendant was doing the security briefing. We're in the sky. They had fought with their seatmates. And then someone about overhead space, just being miserable with everyone. So when I saw them ordering sandwiches and wraps and drinks, I'm not making this up, at 7 a.m., flying Palm Springs to Florida... I called the flight attendant, I gave her my credit card, and I said, I'm going to pay for that. She looked at me like, are you crazy? And I decided, no, kindness begets kindness. Perhaps tonight when they get onto the cruise ship that they're bound to be on from Fort Lauderdale, maybe, just maybe, they'll think about their entitlement and their manners and think, maybe I don't have to get onto the cruise first. Some call me a believer. When I was a rebellious teenager, I decided to run away from home. I knew my parents would go to a fancy travel agent office and book their travel, so that's exactly where I went, one day after school. And I booked a flight to Cape Town. The travel agent had known me my entire life, and she was used to booking travel for me, so she didn't even question this devious transaction. She handed me a plastic folder with plane tickets and hotel bookings whilst smiling. And off I went. You can imagine what a smart idea this was, right? I was traveling solo, didn't care, and I was going to find myself some freedom. Somehow the world traveling rules for a minor weren't that strict at this point, because I doubt you could do this today. My parents were fast asleep, and I quietly packed a small sports bag with my favorite t-shirts, some cool sunglasses, because I was an idiot, and my huge white brick iPod loaded with Alanis Morissette's jagged little pill. Platform sneakers, of course, and this wad of cash that I had amassed. I remember kissing the dogs goodbye and walking down the driveway thinking I was ready for any adventure. I thought that I was a grown-up. Of course, mother figured it out shortly and was on a plane to come and fetch me. But before that happened, I did have a few days of thrills. What do you do as a teenager cruising around Cape Town? Well, you lie on the beach, 
you lie about your age and you order cocktails, and then you go party all night at the nightclubs because luckily you look roughly 18. The feeling of being untethered stuck with me. I felt like there were no plans, no rules, and I could just sip on this world I now commandeered. But when I think back to this trip, the things that I now remember are the small acts of generosity people showed me. Next to me on the escape aeroplane was a woman with eyes that I can still recall right now. She looked at me and said, I'm not sure what you're doing, but whatever it is, remember to split your cash up and hide it all over you. Your shoe, the bottom of your bag, and just leave a little in your wallet. I was all kinds of silliness, probably flashing it around accidentally or something. There was this night I was cruising around Long Street, which is the main drag in Cape Town, where all the bars and clubs are. It's notorious for fun and a little trouble. I was just milling around when someone pulled a knife out, and I was such the fool that I didn't quite know what to do. They wanted my bag, of course, and my giant yellow Nokia cell phone that had Snakey as its main attraction. And I was probably holding this in my hand for everyone to see. The situation was hairy, and I was about to make a run for it. And let's face it, I am a long-distance runner, not a sprinter. Out of a busy bar fell these three big, burly rugby players. They saw what was happening and chased my assailant away. Chivalry for a young gay teenager, oh boy. Generosity comes in so many forms. In another vein, think about a fabulous weekend you planned with your closest friends to say, mm, New Orleans. You flew first class on American Airlines, ching. You booked into the Poncha train, ching. You found a James Beard nominee's restaurant to dine at, ching. And you had a single malt all over town, ching, ching. It's a treat. But as my dearest friends, let's just call them Little's parents, taught me, when you're spending on yourself, you could also spend on others. What a way to travel, sharing your freedoms with people who need it more than you. Think of a small act of generosity, something that takes very little to execute. So little, you can just do it yourself. It doesn't have to be money. Share what you have with others and just see how that feels. This is a great moment for us to travel to advertising land and we'll be right back with Everywhere. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! 
and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next-generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing, meaningful beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Welcome once again to Everywhere. Let's hop back to it. Every week, I hang out in studio with my dearest friend, Holly Fry, co-host of the ever-popular history podcast, stuff you missed in history class. And speaking of generosity, I have my most generous friend, Holly Fry, with me. (laughs) I don't know that that's accurate. But I love that you talked a bit in this particular episode about your travels in Egypt, because Egypt, of course, has a fascinating history all its own. What it's most known for is the museum. Star Wars Museum? I wish. Hmm. Um, I don't really wish. I mean, Star Wars museums are great, but I don't want to take away from Ireland. the majesty of the Egyptian museum. Sometimes you'll see it called the Museum of Egyptian Antiquities or other things. And it is one of the most famous museums in the world, I would say. But to me, what's really interesting about it is it was not founded by a native Egyptian, but by a French person. Of course. <laughs> Uh, And in some ways, it becomes about the story of kind of the scramble for Africa and all of those European nations trying to move into Egypt and Egypt and the rest of Africa and just grab land and assets and get as much as they could and kind of squeeze that part of the world. I was born in South Africa. I understand. You understand intimately. So what's really interesting, this man was named Auguste Mariette, and he originally worked for the Louvre. And on his first trip to Egypt, where he was, I think, supposed to be getting scrolls, he ended up doing a four-year dig, basically, an archaeological dig. And he found a number of really important discoveries, and then he promptly shipped them away to Paris. Of course. And then he returned to the Louvre and became curator of their Egyptian collection. But he really felt this tug back to North Africa and to Egypt in particular. And so in 1858, he moved to Egypt permanently. And actually, they created a job for him, the Egyptian government, as conservator of monuments. And at this point, he shifted his efforts once he lived in Egypt to protect the finds of ancient Egypt and keep them there. So he, through his efforts and his work in the government, he eliminated excavations that were not authorized. Like, he really started the crackdown of, like, people can't just come and dig wherever they want. Like, you have to have permits, you have to get the permission of the government, blah, blah, blah. And he also put in motion some legislation that made it much more difficult to export antiquities 
under the idea that it would preserve Egyptian culture and their heritage there for the nation. I see where you're going with this generosity. I see there's a moment of generosity coming. It is, but in this case, you have to grain of salt it a little bit because part of what happened as a consequence of this, which I do not think was an accident, (laughs) was that then he kind of had the monopoly on all of the digs in Egypt because... He was the one that was working for the government, and thus all of his efforts got all of their permits, lickety-split, no problems, and then they could kind of keep other people at bay. So he was protecting Egyptian heritage, which is inherently a really lovely idea, but he also was cementing his place as the guy that discovered everything. Didn't I tell at the beginning of my episode (laughs) that generosity is exactly like this? It is, which Mm -hmm. is why I thought it was an interesting parallel. Speaking of generosity, I have a good Egyptian story for you. Do you know that in the 60s, the Egyptian government gave as a beautiful gift to the Kennedy administration a full temple? And JFK was sick at the time, which no one knew. And he was like, oh, I can't go to Egypt right now. I'll send Jackie. And Jackie like arrived in Egypt and they were like, pick any temple you would like. And she was like, "Mm, I'll take that one. And so the Smithsonian called her and they were like, hmm, uh, we'll take it. No problem. When are you ready to deliver? And she was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. And then the Met called her and said, we'll make you a deal. If you give it to us, this giant temple, we will build a glass box for it on Fifth Avenue so your apartment looks directly at it. Right, because originally everybody else wanted it to be stored in an exterior location, which would have caused its demise. I feel like we should also mention that she didn't just get to go shopping through the wonders of Egypt. It wasn't in a valley that was going to be flooded, so it was like, if someone will preserve something, you take it, great. If you can ship it out, you can have it. Uh, So it wasn't quite like we just went over and went, yoink! It seemed more Jackie Kennedy to just choose one, right? Well, that's why they invited her to come and choose one. They were like, choose from this area that is going to be. But her generosity to the world was that she could see (laughs) from her apartment. (laughs) Yes. And now, I mean, the good thing is, right, anyone can see it. Right. Uh, You can go visit it at the Met, and it is quite spectacular. What else do you want to tell me about Egypt, Holly? Uh, So I will touch on the Grand Egyptian Museum, which is the one that you were supposed to go on the tour of. Right. It is the biggest museum in the world. It's massive. And what's really interesting is that the Egyptian Museum that I was talking about earlier, while it does keep Egypt's wonders there in Cairo, is 12 miles away from the pyramids, whereas this new museum is right there by the pyramids. So a lot of the things that have been discovered get to stay a little closer to home, so to speak. Like they're not at a remove from where they were originally put. It's almost like the museum is in situ. They have more than 100,000 artifacts in that space. Unbelievable. Including, um, there's a, I have not been to see it personally, but I've seen pictures. There is a 3,200-year-old statue of Ramses II that is unique and amazing and will certainly give someone a sense of history if they just stand in awe of it for a moment. What's the guy who did Pan's Labyrinth? Guillermo del Toro? Right. Yeah. So his house, have you seen photos of that house? His second house? His second house? That's just his collection? Right. His collection toured. It was in um, Toronto and L.A. They did exhibits of it. That's cool. Last year. I feel like we should do that. Let's do that. Let's go and see his collection. I think we would have to go to his house at this point. I don't think it's on display right. anywhere. We but we'll just make a up. call. We'll just, Guillermo, we're coming. Yeah. Okay. We're bringing Ella. <laughs> we're coming. We're bringing a dog. Right. And He'll a be case into it. of Diet Coke. <laughs> He'll be totally into that. 
No, we need to be like pan labyrinth groupies, and then it'll be like, okay. Well, you know, I have a, I knew this was coming. a tattoo <laughs> that is based on a project of his that never came to fruition. I knew this was coming. Which is his adaptation of, um, it's a little historically relevant, not necessarily to this episode, at the Mountains of Madness, which is an H.P. Lovecraft book that he optioned and had been working on. And there's a, um, in that book are these Antarctic penguin monsters they're underground creatures and they're <laughs> blind and they're very scary to the people that encounter them initially, but they, it turns out they're just harmless. They just look frightening. And I actually have a tattoo of one Show of them me. as a reminder that things that seem scary often are not. But it is based on the designs that he was doing for that oh, movie. I love that. Yeah. What appears to be scary and is not? Often is not. But what? Like what? Oh, like all kinds the of subway? things. Like for some people sitting on a mic and talking about their life experiences would be terrifying. Mm. But once you get them rolling and it, it's often very delightful to share and be reflective about your life. And right. so things like well, that. Well, like last night I was at this cocktail party with my husband and I am like in my element. I was like the jokester making fun and having like a little dance. And Michael was petrified standing in the corner quietly. I understand. But if you just get in and mix it up a little, it starts know, to be and I, fun and it's not scary anymore. I introduced him to like business people that he could actually do work with. And I was like, so tell them about Organic Pharma. And Michael's like, I was like, yeah, so it's this health food vending machine. But I, and he was like, yes. Well, and to tie it in to more relevancy, right? For some people, traveling abroad is very scary. Right. But once you're actually in a place. And you find something familiar, like... A Star Wars convention, a pan labyrinth room, an Egyptian museum. Or just like you realize that everyone around the globe is a person and they're not any different fundamentally from any of us. They may have grown up in different circumstances, but you realize that you can connect with all these people and that travel is, in fact, really delightful and not so scary. <laughs> well, thanks, Holly, for coming in and chatting to me and making me laugh. Yay. How generous of you. <laughs> it is, in fact, selfish because it is a great delight to me. And you can talk about your show. Stuff You Missed in History Class, which if people want to check that out, you can do that at MissedInHistory.com or find us anywhere on social media as Missed in History. This is a great moment for us to travel once again to advertising land. We'll be right back with more everywhere. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon, 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Thanks for sticking around. Here's more of Everywhere. Welcome back. I was recently in Raleigh with my brother from another mother, Van Olitha, who owns a number of restaurants, including Bidamanda. Van came to America as an adopted kid to a family in North Carolina. Today, he's the unofficial mayor of Raleigh. In fact, the mayor himself told me that. He oozes more generosity in a day than most people could conjure up in a lifetime. So I recorded your your introduction, and it was such a special moment that I had thinking about you and our friendship, and how I feel very grateful that I met you. You feel to me like a brother, a brother from another mother and from another world. And it's funny that I was born in Africa and you were born in Asia, and somehow we found each other in America, across oceans. Here I find someone who feels like my twin. And I had this beautiful moment where I was wondering, how do I introduce someone like that in the world? And I thought of this moment when one of the first times I met you, we were in Raleigh, North Carolina, and it was your birthday, and you were having a little event, and the mayor of North Carolina introduced you to a room full of people as the most important person in all of town, the immigrant that has come, the gay boy that has come, the Asian boy that's come from abroad and brought a city together and has taught a city about generosity. And I talk about you to people all the time. My friend Van, if only you could learn from him. So Van, let's talk about when we met and let's talk about how Lang Prabang and Lao has such an incredible culture, an incredible tradition of generosity, and how people can learn from that. Yes. Even though I left Luang Prabang when I was 12 years old, 21 years ago, I learned a lot about that from that place. But the one thing that I learned um, the most and the thing that continued to be really vibrant in my life and how I live and dance in this world is how to be generous and kind. Um, my grandmother was extremely generous in how she raised her children. My mother continued that tradition. So I think there's a strong tradition of giving in our family culture. But Luang Prabang itself has its own rhythm in which it's consider itself to be a generous host. 
One of my favorite thing about Luang Prabang is the almsgiving ceremony every morning. About 4, 4.30, every families would wake up to cook rice, to offer to monks. And when the rice is fully cooked, we would put on our best clothes and would line up on the sidewalk. And Luang Prabang is this mystical place. Um, five o'clock in the morning, uh, you have two rivers coming together. And the sky opens up just a little bit so you can feel the, the purple and pink hue on your neighbor's faces. And everyone would line up on the street uh, with a bowl of rice in silence. And we just kind of wait and wait and wait. And all of a sudden, a pilgrimage of monks come down the street. And that saffron color glow from the monk's robe just illuminated everything. And there's no climax. Monks come by and we offer rice as the first thing we do in the morning in exchange for wisdom. I think there's something really special about that tradition, about beginning a day, marking that day a sacred day by giving rice in exchange for wisdom. I try to continue that tradition in my life here in the States, not just almsgiving, but what it means to live each day generously. Rice is a, a really powerful um, cooking ingredient for our culture, but rice also represents this moment of humility in giving. Um, so rice is, the word for rice in Laotian is cow. And cow, it's the same word that we use for the color white, for the idea of purity. But cow is also the verb for to bridge. And I just love that picture of waking up and exchange this humble ingredient for wisdom. It is one of those things that stays with me, especially in the work that we do in the States. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, conflicts and change in our lives. And what we are trying to practice at the restaurant is what happened if we extend the generosity first? I think we disarm all conflicts when we are the first person to say, let me make you some rice. Let me pour you a cup of coffee. Can we talk about it? But I think there's something really profound about being the first person to start that relationship of generosity. Man. I find it so hard to not be moved by Lung Prabang. I remember the first time I went there. It's this little town that you could almost miss. Mm -hmm. No one tells you to go to Lao. It's not on the map it's as a tourist destination. And that's why I went there. And I was looking for, for understanding. I was looking for humanity there. And that's where I learned how to be generous because people were just generous. It seemed so second nature to everyone. No one was thinking in any other way than in this beautiful way of generosity. So I experienced that there. But then when I met you at your restaurant and your brewery in Raleigh, North Carolina, I sensed that. So you had somehow managed to bring that to America. Maybe what you need to talk about is your journey from a child 
sent away by your parents for a better life? Yes. Um, <laughs> I got home and mom and dad mentioned to me that you're leaving and you're going to the States. I was 12 years old. Um, my sister also came to the States a year after we were adopted by the same family. Speaking of generosity, right? How how generous it was for my parents to be so giving to not to not having the selfishness to hold on to things that they loved. They knew it was better for us to leave. We didn't see each other again until I was 18. It was such a difficult six years, long six years. But I can't imagine how much more difficult it was for my, for my parents to not get to see their two children becoming an adult, missing birthdays and sickness. And I think that was an act of generosity when my parents decided to give me away. Um... When I arrived in Greensboro, North Carolina, I also experienced the generosity of so many different people that really held on to my sister and I, making sure that we felt safe and making sure that we knew we were loved even though we were so far from home. So in thinking about how do we live generously right now, whether that's at work or personal life, I think it's a product of all of those people and faces who chose to be kind and generous with us. And I think we are just a product of that, of that journey. How do you feel you've infused that into your business? One of the things that we practice, it's uh, how do we meet our guests where they are? Whether that's um, a table grieving a family's death or a celebration. We are training our staff and inviting them to really show up fully because I think when we actually show up fully for a table or for a friend, for another person, our presence is probably the most generous things we could offer. Um, we hope to be generous with our staff. Uh, one of the things that we carry really close to our heart as a community is everyone that's working for us now over 200 get to define what is mo the most meaningful thing about this job that's relevant in their life journey. So whether that is being a dishwasher or being a server, we really want to make sure that our team and our staff members identify what is it about this job that's meaningful in my life journey. So I think we try really hard to see the humanity in everything. Um, restaurant work can be really, really mundane. And how do we teach and mentor each other to go through this mundane work by assigning meanings to them and, and, and doing with generosity and kindness along the way? I'm crying. Um You, you are the reason why I did the show, why I'm doing this. Like, this is my belief in the world. I think what we should talk about is how travel can teach you generosity. Yes. I love places like Luang Prabang when I travel. I love going to places that doesn't have a big monument or something major that you must do. You know, when, when you're in Luang Prabang, there really isn't much to see or do. And I think when we show up to just be, 
I think it asks ourselves. It asks us to do a lot of deep listening and deep observation, and just by watching a culture move, just by watching time changes, I think we are a lot more in sync with our own heart and our own life and our own rhythm. I I, I love traveling because it makes me understand me better. I love going to those places because those places. Ask me to show up in a different manner. How do you think we can help people get in touch with that? You know this because it's your culture. You've brought it from your childhood into your world here. But how can we inspire people who are listening? People that want to travel or don't know how to travel. Like some people can't go to Long Prabang, mm-hmm. but I think you need to be able to apply this principle even when you go to New Jersey or. Disney World or wherever you're going for a weekend away. Yeah. Some people can't get onto a plane and go to Paris or mm-hmm. South Africa. So I want to understand how can we get people to understand this principle and to take this beautiful principle everywhere. I think when we are at home, we have our own rhythms and rituals and ceremonies that we subscribe to. That that's what we do every day. And I think when we travel, I think it put us in a place where we are slightly uncomfortable, so that we are more mindful of the things that we do, and not just doing them because that's our rhythm and our ritual. So I think traveling, so much of it is about being mindful of your own place in the world, but also being mindful of what's happening around you. And I think when you are actually at a place and at a state of discomfort. You are forced to be more of a sponge. You absorb more. I love the story that my parents used to tell me about the Buddha. That I think about when I try to live each day like I'm traveling. The Buddha was walking around town one day doing almsgiving, and an old man came up to him and say, "So what do you and your monks do at the temple that that make you a Buddhist?" And the Buddha say. We eat, we sleep, and we walk. And the old man was so perplexed. He was like, "I do that too. I do that too. What's the difference?" And the Buddha said, "In our tradition, when we eat, we know that we are eating. When we sleep, we know that we are sleeping. And when we walk, we know that we are walking. I think that's what traveling is." When we are walking through a new road, or when we try a new dish for the first time, we are fully there. We know that we are alive, and we are grateful to be breathing. And I think if we can develop that kind of living, that kind of awakeness, I think we can travel anywhere, even within our own home and our own neighborhood, and we can see our neighbors. As if we are seeing them for the first time, and perhaps we see all of their humanities too. Well, the Dalai Lama is going to retire, and someone <laughs> needs to take over. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thanks for hanging out. Connect with us on Twitter at Everywhere Pond, Instagram at Everywhere Podcast. Or on the website at everywherepodcast dot com. 
Of course, I couldn't have done any of this without my executive producers, Christopher Hasiotis and the loveliest of lovely, Holly Fry. A big thank you to my lead producer and editor, Chandler Mays, and also co-editor and creator of the soundtrack, Tristan McNeil. I am your host, Daniel Scheffler, and as I'd like to say, good boys go to heaven and bad boys are everywhere. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.